Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello. Welcome to Mapping the College Edition, a podcast where we explore the landscape of the college theater world and try to demystify this daunting audition process. I'm your host, Charlie Murphy, director of MTCA. That's Musical Theater College Auditions. And today, we've got a show you can pimentel everybody about. Uh, Shireen Pimentel is on the show, and she is a delightful guest, an MTCA alum, and another young person, which we're trying to weave in as we can to balance out all of our old guests. Um, no big personal updates at the moment before the show. Uh, we're preparing for our summer here with our family and a bit of travel and work opportunities, uh, juggling the extra challenge of childcare on top of all the normal logistics that go with booking work over the summer. We're also diligently working toward helping our students as they are making their final decisions and excited to release those on May 1st on our website for you to see all the amazing places our young artists are ending up. For our juniors, spring masterclasses are well underway. Um, I believe now the only spots available are the dance classes, so please get into those. If you're a bit nervous about your dance at Syracuse and Boston Conservatory dance classes, there are still some available slots. And all of you are hopefully blocking off your calendars for our summer masterclass week. That's August 1st through 6th this summer. Last summer, this very guest, Shireen, was one of the guests for our Broadway Q&As, um, as well as Elizabeth Stanley last year, who did this uh, Q&A as well. Um, we'll be announcing the details of all those bonus events, the Broadway talkback, the Q&As, et cetera, in the coming weeks. So stay tuned to your inbox for those juniors. Um, also, for the podcast listeners, just a thank you to all of those who've recently reviewed and rated us in your podcast platforms. We appreciate all of those coming in. That is very helpful for us as we try to up our digital presence and aid our searchability and all those things as we try to help other families find the podcast. You, of course, can recommend us directly to people you know as well, but those five stars and those ratings and reviews are also a great way to help us out. If you want to use that form to give us feedback, too, we're always open to it. Um, some people have emailed us at our mailbag account with thoughts or suggestions or guest ideas, etc. But you can use that platform as well if you would like. Okay, let's jump into this episode with the great Shireen Pimentel. Well, we are honored to be joined by Shireen Pimentel. Uh, Shireen has a Bachelor's of Music from the Juilliard School. Uh, she's been on Broadway both at nine years old as young Nala in The Lion King and then in the 2020 Broadway revival of West Side Story as Maria, where she was an Outer Critics Circle honoree for Best Actress in a Musical. Uh, she was in New York City City Center's encore production of Into the Woods as Rapunzel, all kinds of concerts on screen in John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch on Netflix, and most importantly of all, an MTCA alum. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> Shireen, welcome on the pod. How are you doing today? 
I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me on the pod. We're so excited to have you. Um, so we're going to dive into the college process, and especially as an MTC alum, I, I really am excited to hear some of your wisdom on it, and, and especially as a recent alum. I was saying this right before we, we started recording, but God, I'm really trying to have more people in the mid... I was like, are you mid-20s yet? And you're like, not quite. Like I'm like, I like the... Yeah, it's good that for, for our listeners who are a little younger to hear what's a little closer to their experience having just, just gone through the process. But before we even get to that... We got to talk a little bit about you being a kid Broadway actor. So how does this happen to a young person at nine years old booking Young Nala? Yeah. So I grew up in New Jersey, so it's not like I was far from Broadway, but um, no one in my family is a performer. Uh So my parents just put me in dance class when I was younger and I was big on seeing the ballet. Uh And then we started going to see musicals and I was like, oh, I think I can do that. I think I can it, sing. Yeah, it probably. doesn't seem too hard. Yeah. They go on stage. I do recitals. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so I did like one of their open calls for kids one year. Like, and like, on, like in New York or is it in New Jersey they had an open call? It it was in, in New York. I'm pretty sure they still do them every so often at the Apollo Theater. Uh-huh. Like a year later, I ended up booking the show. And your parents, even though not in the business, must have at least been sensitive to the fact. I mean, just at nine, you're not like, I'm organizing my schedule. I'm going to get on a train. I'm going to like, they must have been sensitive to the fact that, hey, Shireen might want to do this. And I think it's possible. Like, they must have at least been supportive in that way. Oh, yeah, they definitely were. My mom always says that she knew I would do something in entertainment Mm. from the beginning. There was like no question in her mind that I would do something. She just didn't know I could sing because no one in my family could sing. So she thought, okay, well, she will just become a dancer because that's Uh what she does. And like, we'll just keep taking her to dance class. Um, But they were incredibly supportive. They were just big on like, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it right. And you're going to do it well. I love it. And like, if we can, we're going to get you in the best classes, we're going to get you in the best, best places that we can kind of set you up in. And then you just got to do Hashtag the work. MTCA, we hear you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Sure. <laughs> um, no, but uh, so I'd love to hear a little bit of the experience of a child actor, especially that young. You know, we've had some people on who've been at 16, 15, you know, where they're sort of young adults, but like at nine, you know, are you missing school when you have to go on? Are you doing tutors? Is it just like you go to school and then you do your Broadway show? I assume there's multiple young Nala's at once where you're not doing eight shows a week at nine years old, right? Yeah. So you do four shows and then technically you're considered to like be understudying four shows. So Uh you still show up on those days and you're just off stage just in case something happens. Uh And then after the first act, you go home. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was in public school just As taking the train will, in from Jersey to, to make your this, my mo- curtain? My mother drove me every Aww, single day. Mom. Um, she, I booked the show. She called the principal to my school and was like, Shireen booked a Broadway show. I'm not getting her a private tutor. Right. She's not going to private school. She's staying in public school. And we need to work this out. Yes. And they did. And so for the first four weeks of rehearsal, we didn't start until like later in the day. Uh-huh. So I went to school still and my mom would pick me up in the middle of the day and talk to my teacher about what I had to complete for the next day. And then you only really had a matinee on a Wednesday. So right. that was the only day I left early and I would stay in school all day and then my mom school. would drive me. Exactly. Wow. Drive me at night to school. Um, but but you're you're not getting yeah. home until what midnight every night? I mean, as a nine year old, that's a crazy schedule. Yeah, I yeah. So I learned a lot. Like 
it made it a lot easier to later then do West Side Story. And uh-huh. the idea of someone being like, oh, you're in college and you're going to do a Broadway show. I was like, oh, that's simple. Yeah. And because in my mind, yeah. exactly. In my mind, it wasn't like a, a weird thing to do because I had already done it. But like, I didn't really miss anything. I did. I stopped going to dance class and changed it to singing lessons. Yeah. Um, just because like there was no way I was doing the Alvin Ailey like pre-professional uh-huh. kids track that they have. And there was no way I was going to be able to continue with the schedule. But aside from that, like my parents truly kept me like on the path of just like living a regular and normal life. Um, but it's because I did the Broadway show. I know everyone's like experience is different because if you go on tour, you get a tutor uh-huh. or like uh-huh. different things. But I stayed it's, in public school. I mean, shout out to your parents sounds like your mom especially with the the driving i mean you know i something i've realized as becoming a parent and really just in a partnership like when elizabeth is you know on broadway it means i'm on dad duty it's like i'm on her schedule still like in that way that like if you're driving every single day i'm like your mom was on a broadway schedule too she was doing a broadway show just sitting in the car or whatever she's parking or whatever that experience was my god Um, were you with friend of the pod ray mercer for some of that time i was I love yes, it. Yes, I was. I love it. We just had Ray on a couple months ago. He said he did, he's almost 20 years, I think I remember, uh, um, from the show. My God. So that would, it was less than 20 yeah. years ago, I guess, that you were nine. Um, what yeah. a world. <laughs> um, okay. Now let's jump forward. So you do that show for a, a period of time. Then obviously you're not continuing on Broadway all the way through high school. Um, let's talk a little bit about the college process. With that unique experience, you've already taken a lot of, it sounds like, advanced training, both in dance and then in singing and, you know, obviously worked at a professional level. As you then look at the college landscape, whatever you are, 16, 17, what are you looking for in a theater or in this case, a music program specifically? What were you looking for training wise of those four years of school? Yeah, I, so because I had worked as a kid, I knew exactly what I wanted to do when I was like done with school. Mm -hmm. And my, my big thing was that I just wanted to like train as hard as I possibly could to like get back into the the working scene. I had my equity card by then. Uh-huh. So I also knew that there was going to be a like a little bit of a learning curve for me because I couldn't do any like summer stock in the way that other people could like do non-union summer uh-huh. stock because by the time we were in college and 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 18 and 19 to do union summer stock it's like it's trying to audition for the Muni yeah. and like I, I was very fortunate yeah. to do the Muni this past summer, but like when I was in college, that wasn't going to be happening. Um, so I knew that I had to get a lot of experience within my college degree because uh-huh. um, I wasn't going to get as much outside. Um, and did you consider and- at all not going to college? And I know some people who work as a young person, you know, if you ha- I don't know if you already had an agent or this. Some people consider, you know what, maybe I'll just try my hand right now at 18. I'm not going to necessarily spend four years in college. Yeah, um, I would have loved that. But uh, it, we did talk about those parents yes. and they kept me in public school and therefore I was and you're getting, getting a degree. degree. Yep. Um, and that is the whole reason also why I finished my degree with West Side Story. Right, like when I easily you could have been like, I'm on Broadway now. I'm gonna, I don't need to do my last year. But they're like, no, no, yep. no you're, you're doing the degree. It was the first thing my mom said on the phone. She, I called her, told her, she was like, congratulations, you're finishing your degree. So who are we calling? It was the second thing. The first thing was congratulations. (laughs) The second thing was finishing the degree. Um, But I mean, shout out to mom, because I I will say I read a lot of performance bios, most most of whom have a degree on the pod. But, you know, there's a difference between went to the Juilliard School and saying, 
I have a bachelor's from that degree. You know, it, it is yeah. it, for the rest of your life. You now can say you have a degree. There's definitely some some value to that. So even if it was a exactly. tough year, shout out to mom. It, it, in terms of it wasn't actually. It actually was probably my easiest year. But oops, I won't oh. ever say that to anyone else. <laughs> That's okay. Luckily, only thousands of people listen to this podcast, so it's totally <laughs> exactly. fine. Um, but okay, so you you um, did definitely yes. want a degree. Were you looking? Yes. And you can remind me um, in terms of your process with us. Did you look at both? You know, uh, musical theater like BFAs and those more vocal performance pro what were you looking in terms of the music versus the acting versus the musical theater in terms of those degrees yeah so I was actually only looking at musical theater except Juilliard and Manhattan School Music uh-huh. um I kind of had a so I was going to Juilliard for their pre-college program for three years of high school and while I was there with that teacher and my like lifelong teacher that I've had for voice um both of them, I made this agreement that I will audition for these two schools because uh-huh. you really want me to audition. Also, being a pre-college student, they waive the pre-screen and it's very simple to do it. Um, but I would also audition for all these musical theater schools and, and try to get a BFA. Um, and at first, I cast the net super wide, right? Like we we do the MTCA list and, and we go through different schools and we apply and... Um, Careful with the MTCA honestly, list. There's not one MTCA list, but yes, continue. No, 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 I know, I know, not one. I mean, <laughs> like the, your list, yeah, like yeah. your your school list. Personal Shireen to matching exactly. to her goals, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yes. They all know that this listening. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so we did that, and and I I hadn't done a musical, and I don't know how long because I was in pre college, so I couldn't do musicals. So I I like was super focused on that list because uh-huh. for me, the other two schools, I was just auditioning. For the case of like, because exactly, because some people wanted me to do it and I was going to do it. And then Um, what made you decide on Juilliard in terms of the the music degree? What what made you, because I know you had other options in terms of musical theater. What made you go, hey, I got this BFA, but now I'm thinking maybe I do want to go in it. Even though it was only one of the two, the ones I had said, I'll just give it a shot. What made you decide to go in that direction? Yeah. Um, Well, I will, I will preface to say that like, I was very fortunate are my year of auditioning and like I got into all the schools I wanted to go to I was like great yeah exactly I was like I got all the choices I can go where I want to um exactly my my list did kind of dwindle down to I ended up being like I want to live in New York City and Mm -hmm. um I started getting into those places and I was like okay this I got this I had like a a short list and I was like all right got into all those what am I gonna do Mm -hmm. um and then I got into Juilliard and I remember during my audition too, my mom was like, we need to talk about financial aid. And I was like, no, we don't. I'm not going here. Uh-huh. So I was like, you don't need to be talking to anybody. <laughs> then I got in and I was like, and, and I had some friends who were like, I want to be there the day you tell them no. <laughs> um, that day obviously never came. And I just had multiple conversations with different people about like, what did I really want? Mm-hmm out of school and I learned that what I thought I wanted wasn't what I wanted and also wasn't what I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, what I thought I wanted was to just be like steeped in musical theater, which I still I am now mm-hmm. as, as a human being. I mm-hmm. love musical theater um, and there's still more for me to learn and, and so much that I do know. Um, and what I needed and what I wanted was the people that they accepted into Juilliard. I realized that I wanted to be in that environment of the student body. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was going to be worth the money. 
um, where I didn't, I, I don't know what it was about those people too. Like the, like not even the voice department, it was like being around the like drama yes. students that they yep. had there. Um, that's what made me make the choice. Actually, at the end of the day, I was like, I want to be around those people. I want to have conversations with them. Uh-huh. I want to like just experience life in this place. Yep. Um, and it has nothing to do with what's going to happen inside the classroom, <laughs> which is contrary to everything I said before, because like what I was first looking for was like the class. What's the classroom uh-huh. experience, the classroom experience. And once it came down to the actual decision, it was all about the community that I was going to be in for four years. It's a special building. It's a really special. I mean, I've gotten to hang out there a lot. It's like it is a special community of incredible dancers, incredible singers, incredible actors. I mean, it is a really cool sort of from an interdisciplinary perspective of like what is going on in that building is high level work across the board. Yeah. And also just like there. I kept thinking to myself, like, there are so many actors that have come through this building that mm-hmm. we revere who are just incredible Mm -hmm. and i was like there are so many of them what is it Mm -hmm. like what is it that makes you accept those 18 people Uh like from the beginning what do you see in those people when they first step into this thing and then obviously they're going to grow we grow when we go to school we learn things and and we also just like grow up Mm -hmm. from like that by the time you finish those, those four years are so formative that like no matter what school you go to, you grow as a person and yes. an artist. But I wanted to see like the beginning, like uh-huh. who are those people when they came in? And I learned so much more about like being a human being. And that's like, honestly, the foundation to being a like wonderful performer. An actor for that, sure. Like, yeah, that I was like, that's what I, I that's what I want to see. That's what I want to get a, get to know and like pick pick people's brains, honestly. Well, let's um, talk a little bit yeah. about that experience. I want to hear about b- both those kind of community experiences you had in college, but also I do want to hear a little about the classrooms. I believe, and sorry, other guests, if I missed this, that you are our first Bachelors of Music that we've uh, had on the pod. We've had BFAs, Bachelors best Music in like vocal as opposed to we have best Music in musical theater specifically. Uh, I'm yeah. correcting myself. Yeah. We've had some Baldwin Wallace grads, but, um, and we've had mm-hmm. somebody with Master's Music. Like I think Megan Pacerno had a Master's of Music, but tell me a little bit about w- what this degree is in terms of the classroom, in terms of obviously it's very relevant to musical theater, but some other areas maybe that are a- addition to or addendum to the musical theater world. What was that day-to-day classroom like? Yeah. Um, it's actually it actually strays so far from musical theater, but is like so helpful. Um, we take theory, ear training, um, piano. Mm-hmm. We take dance, acting. Um, we have our private voice lesson, but then because it's classical voice, you would take the language for the year. Uh-huh. Um, for one year, you have to take Italian, like actual Italian language, not just Italian diction, which was like, as you can hear in my voice, I was not very good at it. Um, <laughs> but I did my best. How could I hear that you're bad at Italian from your voice? How could I possibly tell that? Because you're not the talk. You're like this. Voice was exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's it. <laughs> I just was not. It wasn't for me. That wasn't happening. Um, (laughs) But we did, I believe those were all, oh, and then we had a liberal arts class. And so Uh you'd have a different liberal arts class each each semester because obviously we didn't have any gen eds. That was our only like thing that we had. And I think it was really geared. It was like 
ethics and society, uh-huh. politics and culture and arts uh-huh. and aesthetics. It was really like geared towards be trying to become a good person and a good artist, artist which I classes. Yeah. yeah, which I found really like interesting and great. And then we had like we had history classes, but it was like classical music history. Uh-huh. Um, so it was truly steeped in classical music. There uh-huh. really wasn't much musical theater, unfortunately, for me. Um, and is that true to your voice lessons musicals. too? Are you, are you taking, like with your private voice, is it more, now we're working to a classical voice, you're not doing a ton of belting in your voice lessons? No. Yeah. So it was like, there were a lot of growing pains for me because I really wanted to do theater and I was very vocal about it at the Mm -hmm. school anybody who went there knows um I told faculty like told my voice teacher and any person who wanted to listen that I wanted to do theater but I was like focused on classical voice which definitely built a solid foundation I think for me belting and mixing and doing Uh all the crazy stuff that I do now um and so, like, I am thankful for that and yep. to have, ha- like, learned what all of that is and, like, what my instrument has the ability to do. Um, because I have a lot of unconventional thoughts when it comes to the voice um, that I think were built by doing all of this. Mm-hmm. But when you say but, by, by training in classical voice, but then trying to apply it to musical theater? Yeah, mean? which uh-huh. is basically my, my big thing is that I believe that I believe there are voice types. But I believe that if you are a soprano, somebody could teach you how to mix belt very nicely. There's, there's, there is a, there is a chest in there. It exists. It is not, it's not gone. If you can hit a high C, like you can, Uh notes don't disappear. Uh It's just a style at the end of the day. Um, And there's a way to like stylize and do it healthy and do some really interesting things that I feel like um, we, it's, it's easier to kind of box you into like a right. thing you, you do. Yeah. You're a legit person. You belt, you do this, you do right. that. But I think if you can hit the no, you can kind of stylize things however you want to, if you want to. It's not to say you have to. I think but, that's, that's so awesome. Um, I've seen Elizabeth talk about that a lot of like, you know, she is someone who trained completely in classical voice, though spent some time taking theater classes in Indiana too. Um, but, you know, there are things she can do healthily that I hear other singers just unable to do. And it's like, because well, she's cheating. She's mixing. Like, she just has, like, such ability to to um, make it stylistically sound like she's not, um, even yeah. though that is completely the training that she's bringing. And that is a, it is a unique skill set. Not unique in terms of the only person, but it is a really special skill set to be able to sing healthily eight shows a week some of this stuff that is not meant to be sung eight shows a week. That is not meant to be exactly. screamed, you know on a human voice eight shows a week exactly exactly and you can there's just ways to like i i always say there's there's a fine line and there's this perfect place that we all kind of like work towards that's like doing that kind of stuff making it sound the way that you think it's gonna be like that's a screaming belt Uh ginormous thing that's like actually as you said like super healthy Uh and I can't say the next thing I'm doing. Oh my soon. gosh. Are there secrets? There are secrets. Secrets on the pods, Shereen. There's no secrets between pods. We can't. I know. But, um, and that thing is definitely something that people are like, how does one sing that? And uh-huh. like, how do you not just like shred? Uh-huh. And it's like, you can shred. You could, you could shred, but yeah. you can also like, you can do it. You can cheat a little bit. Yeah. 
You um, totally can. Um, let's we'll, we'll all guess in the um, comments on this post yes. um, as this episode is posted. You're all going to guess what you think Shireen is doing next. I'm so excited. Um, but before we leave school, I just love to chat a little yes. bit about. Is there anything? Particular, I mean, some of the stuff we're talking about in terms of vocal training certainly makes sense that you feel like you're taking away from school, but also could be anything else that you go, I'm really grateful I had this. And was there anything as you watched maybe across the building or as you thought about those BFAs in musical theater, was there something that you go, oh, I wish I'd had a little more training in this, or I'm going to try to supplement this as my the years go on because I want a little bit more of this? Yes. Um the things I would, uh, the thing, there's one class I was very thankful for. So ear training, your third year is ear training for singers. Uh-huh. And usually we would take ear training with uh, all the musicians, but that one is singer specific because you sight sing in uh-huh. class. And I'm not saying I'm the best sight singer to ever exist, but like it made, it has made learning things and, and, looking at new music and also just trying to learn old songs um, so much easier. I feel like I see a lot of people who do get BFAs and aren't as focused into music walking out with like, Oh, I don't know how to read the music uh-huh. or I, I, someone needs to like plunk it Can out I get for a track? me. Which, Can I get a plunk track? Yeah. Yeah. Which I still would listen. The plunk track is the easy way. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me wrong, please. But like it has helped me so much to be able to do these quick turnarounds with uh-huh. auditions, to be able to change things in audition rooms, um, learn like, I'm working on music one week and then that's gone and I'm working on a new song the next week. And it's like to pick up and put down, it's made it so much easier for me. So that's something I was super thankful for. Let me pause you there. Hold on. Because I do want the second half of the question, but, but just for anyone who doesn't know what ear training means, maybe especially some of our parent listeners, what does a class look like in ear training? Right. It sounds like a, you know, we always talk about the kindergarten classes where I'm like, that sounds like a weird thing to train, but, but what does that mean? You know, (laughs) listening, stress training on listening. Yeah, it truly is training on listening. It's training your ear to hear um, what's being played or sung or anything like that. So your teacher will be there at the piano. And we used to have to start class and they would say, sing a law or sing A. Mm -hmm. And you'd have to sing A in two octaves. Uh-huh. And you'd have to be able to just like pull that out. Like, like perfect pitch. Like you're not getting a, a starting note. Here's a C. We're not going to yeah. play it. You mm-hmm. have to be able to know what that is in your head. And then there was a book that I think, I think it was a Bach cantata book. And they would assign a Bach cantata and you'd have to sing the line. Mm-hmm. You'd have to learn it to be able to memorize it, to be able to sing through it. Um, we have in ear training. Sometimes you also have rhythm. So a nice ta and clap will happen. Uh-huh. So stuff like that. It's really about like training the ear and and training you to like hear things and pick them up a lot faster. I, I can already tell by the way you're saying Bach that you definitely, your German is better than your Italian. I can tell already <laughs> she's ready with the German. Um, okay, great. Give me the second half of that question. So in terms of what is the stuff that you might have wanted a little more of? Yeah. Um, I definitely would have wanted more like straight acting obviously. And and now I take, I take an acting class once a week mm-hmm. for four hours because mm-hmm. I am an adult and I can choose what I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we were in school, we didn't get that. And um, I've been really fortunate to have auditions for TV film and also for plays. And like, I had my first callback for a play this year and I was like, this feels great and it's super exciting, but like working with texts, like 
stresses me out when it's not uh-huh. with music. It's uh-huh. always so much easier with music because it just makes sense to me. Like I've spent so much time just like steeped in looking at scores and analyzing why it was written the way it was and, uh-huh. and how to translate what's on the page to the people listening. Um, but, and that has words and it's very simple right. but the second you give me just words on a page yeah. with no music no it's protection. super difficult you have the protection exactly. of your voice and this music and you've got a partner working with you as opposed to you're all alone when it's a monologue you're all alone when exactly it's a yeah. exactly so like we had acting class but it was it was centered around like acting acting through songs yep. basically yep um so i definitely wish that that was the thing but like I'm also in my 20s and like I can take acting Your classes. Young 20s. Young 20s. No, <laughs> I love that. That's um, the, our previous guest. was now two guests ago as we're recording this, but um, we left uh, with Chris McCarroll. One of the big things we sort of talked about was like, it's the college is the beginning. It's not the end. It's the beginning of your career. It's the beginning of your training. It's not, it's not like you have to at 22 know everything either, right? Like almost certainly you're going to get a lot of great training. You're going to grow a lot and hopefully you'll continue to grow over the next five, 10 years, you know, whether that's in class or in performance, but hopefully you are continuing to, to grow and evolve and not like you're cooked at 22. You're done. Exactly. That's, that's, and that's something that like, somehow with opera they know and hasn't translated to musical theater uh-huh. it is like it's a double-edged sword where it's like with opera it's very much so like you could there's no way you could be cooked at 22 where like right. there are some people that by 22 they could be performing uh-huh. so i'm like no oh, that's not great uh-huh. but they do believe in like 26 29 30 for them they're like that's the start of your career uh-huh. where like with with theater, I think we're getting younger and younger in the industry, which is wonderful because more and more people get opportunities. But at the same time, it's making it seem like the average age to be like right. working and have a ginormous career is by 21. Right. Yep. Totally. I remember yeah, Elizabeth was telling me about um, Andrew Feldman that she was working with and was like, oh my God, he's so yeah, good. He's like yeah. 27. I was like, I think he's like 20. Like, I don't, I think he's like still a child. Like, just talented. I love him. He's just, 20. Yeah, yeah he's good. Like, that's, it's, and, and it is possible, of course, to be really good that young. But I think that is the exception, not yeah. the rule that you're like, I've got this mature acting in me at 19, at 20. I mean, I was like yep. that, of course. So, you know, some exception, of course. Um, come on, come on. Let's take a short break, and then we're going to get into some of this exciting post-collegiate professional stuff as well. So we're back in a flash. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right. We are back with Shireen Pimentel. And we're going to chat a little bit about the post-collegiate, and I'm really going to say still in collegiate life, of 
booking West Side Story. So talk to me about this. Like you're still, you're a junior in, in college when you booked this? You're a third year? Yeah. I yeah, I just finished my third year. Um, so the winter of my third year, I went to this like program for college students called the Link Program. Uh-huh. And I was there, it was our, it was their first year. And I remember talking to the head of the program one day and I was like, I want to work. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you're still in college. I was like, I don't care. I'll figure it out. I, I was like, I'm smart. I'll mm-hmm. figure it out. I just want to work and I live in New York City and I I need help. Like I need an agent. Mm-hmm. And he sent me to two different agents and we saw other agents as well. Um, and I set up some meetings and like a month later I ended up signing with CGF Talent, mm-hmm. who is still my agents. Um, and they were just sending me out on auditions and I started to really push. I would wake up at four o'clock every morning and I would, cause I was never great. I, we're in the middle of class. Like uh-huh. I was never great at the whole like equ- equity portal sign up for uh-huh. things. Uh-huh. And I just wanted to like get in the room and just be doing stuff uh-huh. so I could like get like practice the bone of auditioning we don't really audition very much in our program we audition at the beginning of the school year and then everything's cast you don't audition again so like i needed to flex that bone so i was but you're saying you're doing open calls while in school still i was doing like equity Ooh. equity auditions yeah. so i was up at 4 a.m every day sitting on lines and like doing my homework in the line and then i would sign up on the sign up and then i would leave and I would go back to class and I would watch audition updates to see what number they were at and what was going on if I oh, didn't have an actual like slot. Yeah. And then I'd run back and I would do these auditions. And if I was late to class, I would send my teacher an email. I'm at an audition. I'll be right back. I'll be there in 30 minutes. Like, So I was like pushing. And how, how do your teachers the, react to that in terms of, you know, I, most schools do not encourage you to actively be auditioning. No. Not that you couldn't do a one audition, but to know if you're yeah. con- consistently auditioning, are your teachers pushing back and going, Shireen, be here. We're still in school. I knew the ones that would push back and uh-huh. I wouldn't do it in their class. And I knew the ones that would not fight me too hard because certain teachers understood that like what they were teaching me wasn't going to help me when I left the school. Huh. Like, like Italian. I had one. It, it, listen, it, that poor teacher, he did not like me. I was going to say though, my French diction teacher, actually, she was one of them. That, like she knew I wanted to do theater uh-huh. and I wasn't about to be like speaking French every right. single day, you know? And so when I would have an audition Except for and this I'd new be in project class, where you like, are mm-hmm. speaking French, maybe hand hand, wink, wink. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Continue. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love this. I love the hints. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it is not a right hint, but it was a hint. <laughs> it was incorrect. <laughs> it wasn't right, but it was wrong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> great. But so you're balancing these auditions. And, and yes. then with this, uh, I imagine, was not an open call for West Side Story. You can't have booked both Lion King and West Side Story on open calls. I don't believe it. No. So, so I was auditioning with my agents for about six months. And like right at the time that I got the West Side audition, I had booked Roadshow in the ensemble at uh-huh. Encores when they were doing Off Center. Um, and I, for me, I was like, I did it. Heck yeah. My first professional, professional job. Show. It's a summer job. Like it's perfect. Yep. I'm so excited. 
at that same time, I'm in rehearsal because we are about to tour an opera. We were going to London and France. And so we were rehearsing that show. I was auditioning for an Into the Woods at a regional uh, place, Phantom, the tour, and like the international tour. And mm-hmm. then I got this West Side audition. Mm-hmm. I had had an audition every single day that we had rehearsal mm-hmm. because I would like audition and then get a call back and have to go here and do this. And like, I was on the phone with my agents every day, as often happens. And this West Side one was the last one of all of mm-hmm. them. And it was to understudy Maria. And I could not get the lines to stick in my mind. Mm. I couldn't memorize it. It was so difficult. And I remember being on the phone with my mom and I was like, uh, I was like, I'm not going to cancel this. Like it's mm-hmm. a Broadway show. Like I'm not going to cancel this audition, but like, I'm so nervous. It's not going to be good. And my mom was like, just go like you're, I think you're just stressed out. Like mm-hmm. when you show up, it's going to be fine. Um, and so that day that I auditioned for it, we were flying to London. And so like, there was a bus that was meeting them at Juilliard. And I was like, don't worry about me. My luggage is going to be in my mom's car to drive me to JFK. If anything goes wrong, but what's going to you're at college. And she's still working that Broadway schedule. I mean, uh, unbelievable. My, my mother works around the clock. Unbelievable. Okay. <laughs> okay she's so she's meeting work- them at JFK. She's talking to, she's got you on clear. She's, you know, getting you checked <laughs> in. Exactly. So like I, she's, I finish rehearsal. She's downstairs in the car. I hop in the car. She drives me to Telsey's office. I do this audition. They're running late, obviously, because mm-hmm. it happens. Mm-hmm. I walk into this audition. It was Alex Gimignani. That was the only person who was in there with, with casting. And I sing through the songs. I finish. I'm like, great. Thanks so much. Get in the car to like drive to JFK. And I was like, mom, it was great you know, it probably won't happen, but it was so good. And I had a great time. And like, it really felt like he was uh, excited with what I did. Mm -hmm. And I fly to London. We're there for four days. I saw six and everybody's talking about Jamie. It was amazing. (laughs) Um, Then we go, (laughs) then we go to France and we took the train to France. And then there was like, traffic for the bus i'm exhausted and you're using your french here almost certainly your french diction yeah (laughs) i'm so bad at french listen i was only good at german um Mm -hmm. and i get to this french restaurant and my agent sends me like an email and he's like hey like can you um can you call me it's about west side like whenever you get a second because he knows i'm in a foreign Uh country uh so i call him and he's like so listen some things have changed and they want you to now be auditioning for the role, not for the understudy. Oof. And he was like, now the team is asking if you could come back now, but I let them know that you're <laughs> not able to. I said, if they're willing to pay the Juilliard school, yeah. the money yeah. <laughs> that they're going to ask me for. Sure. Yeah. But if not, I'm staying right here, which I'm glad they didn't like push for that because the performance was in the, um, the theater at the Versailles palace. So like, which is like stunning. And and we got to like tour the palace and everything for free. Cause we were performers. Mm-hmm. And like, so um, I was glad I got to have that experience. And then they were like, okay, well here's some extra material. Sent me the final scene where Maria's like mm. bawling and weeping and all this I stuff. I couldn't memorize like, the other lines. How am I going to memorize these? My God. <laughs> They're like, she has to do this when she comes back as uh-huh. well. And, and like, that was kind of the whole process of that thing. And I, I, long story short, I end up doing like one other work session with Bernie uh-huh. um, for an hour. 
And I remember I was in there and he was like, don't wear that, wear that, do this, do that, as they usually will do, because like casting is definitely there to be on your side, to be uh-huh. like, this is what we heard in the room, this is how we help you. Um, and then I remember he looked at, at somebody and he was like, record this whole session. And then he looked at me and he was like, it's, if it's bad, we won't use it. Mm. And I said, okay. Okay, because like I'm nervous. I'm yeah, of like, course. What if it's not like prepared to the point where you yeah. want it to be prepared, and then you're gonna watch this tape, and like it could have been better in a in a week or two. Yep. Um. Around and then I ended up booking it around Fourth of July. Fourth of July came mm. around, and they were gonna have me come back in the room. I remember July sixteenth. And they were having me work with an acting coach who they had like every person who auditioned for the roles work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and since I was kind of behind the whole schedule of it all, um, they were kind of just like throwing whatever extra hours they could. And so they threw out like an hour and a half and we started scheduling it. She was like, I was told to hold. I'm really sorry. And I called my mom and told her and she was like, listen, schedule it. She was like, schedule it. If, if we have to foot the bill, we'll foot the bill. Mm. And she was like, and if she was like, and maybe the producers will come back and say, it's all okay to move forward. But if you don't schedule it, you won't have it. She might not have any more time. So just do it. So I started scheduling. She also disappears. My agents are on holiday. Cause it's July 4th, mm. July 5th comes around like 11 AM. My agent called me and was like, they watched the tape that Bernie took. It was good. And that's how I got the show. Wow. I mean, yeah. here, here are the heroes we're here. Mom is unquestionably a hero of your life. And like, <laughs> you're, whoever's scheduling all of your life, like you are so overscheduled. Also mom. Also mom. My mother. Double the hero. My God. <laughs> um, so tell me a little bit about the run. So now, you know, you've been on Broadway before at nine, but I imagine a very different experience at 21 now coming yeah. in. And also like playing now an iconic role. Like, I mean, this is... You know, I don't know where on the list of iconic musical theater, but it's on that list, on the short list, you know. In terms oh, of, yeah. H- how are you approaching this idea of like, oh, gosh, now this is, I don't know, it's the third or fourth time it's been put up or whatever. But here I am. This is my mark that I'm going to try to leave on Maria. Are yeah. you thinking like that? Or are you just like, I don't have time. My mom told me I, don't, I take a break and breathe and I got to do the thing. H- how are you approaching, you know, j- coming into this? This is a very, very hyped production of, of West Side Story. Yeah. It was a mix of both. Obviously, like, it's stressful things. Like, I ended up having to, like, talk to every single head of every single department Uh at our school to try to, like, figure out my schedule. And then I had to condense almost a whole semester into the month of September Uh and do my senior recital and all this different stuff. So I was, like, focused on that. John Mulaney ended up popping up while I was in orientation. Wait, that happened that same year, the Sacklodge Bunch? That same year. Oh, my God. Shireen. So, like, it was all condensed into almost a month of just, Uh like, craziness. Uh Um, But when I finally did kind of... Like, I'd be worried about, like, I'm just going to, like, like, I'm going to explode. Like, I'm not sleeping and (laughs) I'm not going to be healthy and how am I going to do all this? Like, how are you getting through it? I... At that time, I actually wasn't very good at getting through it. I think I've learned a lot through COVID um, of things that I wish I had known back then and things that I had wished I had like implemented into my life. But I was a college student who was very much so focused on like partying and having a good time. Um, but you're not partying during this time. It's not possible that you're partying this September. This no, September is a no party September. Okay, I, exactly. I I, I, partying with John Mulaney, fine, but you're not partying uh, um, independently. <laughs> I had to stop. Yeah. <laughs> that happened. But, um, I was super focused, which I've really taken to that as of late. 
I think I'm very different for all the roles I want to play. All the roles I've ever want to play have never been played by somebody who looks like me, which is super exciting. Also a big challenge and a big responsibility, I think, on my part to take on. Um, I think all of us who live in that space and like want to take on those roles feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I've come to the place of, and I had a mentor who said that to me about his own career, which was that when I got the audition and I looked at it and I said, well, I'm not the type that they normally would want. I said, well, then obviously they're looking for something different and moved forward. Uh-huh. Like I have stopped trying to conform to what was. Yep. And like continue with what is because like they, especially now with a lot more people like knowing me in the industry, they do know who I am. They know what I'm bringing. They know I'm not bringing the other thing. So obviously they're looking for something else. And so I was just going to be myself. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to be myself. And and also Alex was somebody who had told me that Alex was like, you got cast because of you. Mm -hmm. It was all because of you. It was you that walked in the room that we liked. Yep. I mean, and talk like, about an advocate for you that you're auditioning for an understudy. He's alone in the room with you and he goes, ah, let's see if there's a, let's see if we can run her up the flagpole. Who knows exactly what happened? Exactly. Happened. But still, I mean, that is someone who's a believer in you. You got to be like, yeah. I got to keep you in my corner for life. You're right. an advocate. And he was an advocate for the entire production. He was I remember directing we were, that, is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We were doing something wild one rehearsal for the end of the tonight balcony scene Uh and i know somebody has a photo of my face because i was at that moment i was over it i was really i will be a hundred percent honest with anyone who asks i was over it Uh they had asked us to be lifted into the air and fall backwards while hitting the high like the high a flat Uh at the end of tonight Uh and i was doing it and at one point i looked at alex and he said just keep just keep going. And then we, the rehearsal ended and he said, just go home. He uh-huh. said, just go home. Uh-huh. And I came back the next day and they were like, so it's cut. I said, oh, great. So like, like, you don't need to say this. I'm going to say this for you. I got exactly. you. Yeah. He was like, do, you do your job. I'm going to do my job. Uh, don't worry. And like, he was a huge advocate through the whole thing. And I really appreciated it. It's such good advice, especially if you can trust the creative team for actors in general. Even when you know something doesn't work, it's such good advice often to be like, just do it and truly do your best with whatever the thing is. Because maybe you're wrong, of course, is also in there too. But if you are right, which actors often are right, you can also trust the director goes, ah, I see it now. Yeah, it doesn't work, right? That if you trust the team and you really do the thing that they've said, this is an idea I have, and you do your level mm-hmm. best, then then that's their job to go. That doesn't work. As opposed to actors sometimes want to be like, oh, wait, I can already pre-cut that for you. That's not, and then and then you seem like you're not easy to work with. And the director goes, well, well, let's just try it. I could be right, you know. Um, yep. Listen, I've, I've been on, I've been on both sides as an actor where like, I feel like, especially when you first start your career, you're like, wait, ah, uh, no, I, and you want to like mm-hmm. kind of immediately go for like cutting a thing out. But like now I think at this point, at this point for me, I've definitely gotten to a place where I'm like, all right, let's, let's give it a shot. I don't think it's going to work. That part I keep in my head. Right. I go, I don't think it's going to work. And then I do the thing. Yep. Um, but yeah, he was, he was just such a big advocate. It was so great. I love that. And tell me a little bit about the run. So, I mean, this was a, I think uh, we, we talked about it a bit with Ilda Mason, right? It was a, a thought-provoking and kind of polarizing production. People even absolutely loved it. They were like, what have you done to this story? Like, what what was that like now, especially as you're 
kind of Broadway debut. It's your second Broadway show, but it's your Broadway debut as an adult. Like to have to be an iconic role in this production, much of which is not necessarily about your performance in terms of people's reaction. It is more about the direction and sort of what's happened with the show. So what was that experience as you're hearing feedback from uh, um, audience members? Yeah, well, the first part is that I learned to differentiate between like your feedback is about the show, which I have nothing, I can't change anything about that. That was not my job. I didn't design the costumes, I I I didn't do the set. I didn't do like I am doing this thing. I learned so much about that in this show where it was like every single person has a job to do. And obviously like, because I love theater and I have a creative mind and imagination, I have thoughts and beliefs Mm -hmm. on the thing. But that's not part of my job. Like, Mm -hmm. my job is about the, like, character and the actor. And so, like, when I heard things about that, that's what I was like, okay, I, like, if you have something constructive to say about that, I'm I'm down to hear it. Everyone has thoughts and opinions. Uh Um, But about all the other stuff, I was like, I literally cannot control any of that. Like, the most I can say is, like, "Mm, I think this might be dangerous or not great. Like, something like that but like at the end of the day that's not my call of like what's gonna happen so yeah that's on that and so sack lunch bunch which i don't make me say that many times that happens right before um you actually start rehearsal so like you're still you're still a junior tell me a little bit about this thing i'm you know i'm a huge john mulaney fan how could you not be what was it like getting to work with a pretty star-studded cast across the board (laughs) it was incredible i will say Um, I didn't get to meet most of the cast. I'll be honest. I was only Mm -hmm. there for my song. But what happened was I was doing new student orientation. I was an orientation leader. Um, And I get a text from my mom. And she's like, hey, someone sent this message to your website. I don't know what this is about. And it was John Mulaney's manager Mm -hmm. being like, hi. Hi. And sending us all this information of, you know, she's trying to get in contact with me. Around the same time, I was looking at my Instagram and I had this message from John Mulaney's manager saying the same thing. Uh-huh. Within a few minutes, I get a phone call from my agent. John Mulaney's manager called me. So Unbelievable. basically what had happened was, um, so the spot was supposed to be Lizzo. Lizzo, they wanted Lizzo to play the flute. <laughs> Wait, you you understudied Lizzo? They're like, we wanted Lizzo, Basically. but I guess we'll <laughs> Basically. So they wanted Lizzo to play the flute. And then I think, like, she stopped responding or something. That's uh-huh. what I was told. And then somehow they found a video of me on YouTube. Oh, my God. And John, like, liked how I sang. And he was like, can we get her to do this thing? Because they really wanted like this irony of this like ridiculous song Uh with like a classical music Uh element. Like Uh they loved the irony of that. Uh Um, So my agent's like, do you want to do it? He was like, I, they don't know how to describe it. I don't know how to describe it. He was like, it's a kid's special, not really for kids. Right. Um, On Netflix, but it's it's kind of TV. What's Netflix? He was like, do you want to do it? It's just a song. I was like, Sure. Can can they send the music to me? Can you send me, you send the me music? a punk track, please? Okay. I'm exactly. not paying attention to class. Because I was like, what is this? It What in the heck? And I see that I'm doing this with two kids. I'm like, this is so sweet. All right, let's do this. Mm. They end up like 
call again we're in the moment of people calling me every single day Uh to be like how long is your hair we're gonna get you a wig do you have any long gowns what's your size we're gonna go pick up gowns tomorrow because like we were gonna shoot this within a few days of them calling tv happens they're like like, that's why you got three messages from the manager because like this is friday is this happening like truly that that was like how quickly it was happening and they're like we're gonna send a car to your place at 4 a.m and the car is going to bring. I've been up 4 a.m. for years now. Just <laughs> I know. I was like, I can do this. They're like, and the car is going to bring you to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Now I get there, and they're like, Are you ready to sing the song? You're like, No, I didn't warm up at 3:30. <laughs> Thank so you. So the song has like B flats in it, like uh-huh. high B flats, and uh-huh. I was like, Sure. Sure, let's do it. Can I? I was like, can I go to the dressing room, though, for, like, a second just to, like, warm up just a little bit? Um, And they're like, sure. And then I went to the soundstage that they had, like, set up for the recording, and I I recorded my vocals and then got ready, and they, like, had gotten a wig, and I did my fitting, and I ended up in this white gown, and, like, we sat there, and and John was there, and he was like, oh, my God, thank you so much. Like, we really appreciate that you're doing this. You're so wonderful. Like, thank you. I was like, sure. Yeah. Sure. No, absolutely. You thank me. Yeah, yeah. not me thanking you. Yeah. I have no resume, but I appreciate your confidence, sir. And then I enter onto the set. They put me on this turntable, and I look at the director, and I because I've never been on set, and mm-hmm. I was like, "What? What? What do you want? What do you want me to do?" He was like, "Have you ever watched an ABBA music video?" I was like yes and he was like you know when they're just like staring off into the distance and you have no idea what they're staring at he's like do that i said great um but also i am i don't like bad lip syncing it bothers me mm-hmm. it, it stresses me out mm-hmm. so i sang that thing for everything yeah life. just sing i it. just sang yeah. it the whole way yeah. um and like the b flats by the end were like horrible but that wasn't the point i wanted it to be some good lip syncing but they put me on this turntable with a fan and all this different stuff and i was done by 10 a.m wow what what a weird little life experience okay so now now uh, um the west side story ended pre-covid or was was it ended by covid Ended by COVID. Ended by COVID. So then uh, we have all have this pandemic together. Oh my gosh, what a thing. So early in your career. I mean, that is just the timing, I'm sure, very frustrating. Um, yeah. What then it becomes next for a Shireen? Like, so you've had this amazing success at nine years old. You've had this amazing success at 21, right? I imagine you're now thinking about like, what does a sustainable career look like for me? Yeah. Is it all in the is it still all focused in the musical theater world? And are you thinking about TV and film? I know you have the next project you're not gonna tell us about. My God, it's fine. But like what are you thinking about as you go, okay, I've had this pause moment, especially to yeah. evaluate. What paths are we walking down if we're if we're assuring? We're kind of walking down all the paths right now. Um I the past few years, I really learned how to be like a freelance artist. I've been very, very fortunate. I, I truly survive and sustain myself on money from like performing. And um, like some of that's from, from concerts. So I feel like you've done a bunch of concerts too. Which there's a lot of money. concert work. Yeah. It's wonderful money, wonderful people, like nice experiences of going to different places that I normally wouldn't go to. Uh-huh. So that's been like my main source of income the past few, uh, years and then that supplements the fact that i can do a bunch of new musicals right. and and try new well stuff with, with off people. Broadway or whatever, yeah. 
Exactly. Um, but like try out new things that I'm like interested in, mm-hmm. uh, which, which I think is so big for, for performers because I think we're so used to the regular musical theater canon. And, it, uh-huh. and then we're also used to like, just take any job, any job you can get. And obviously I still have some of that mentality, but sometimes I look at a, when somebody brings me a new musical, it's about like, do I love the writing? Do I believe in the writer? Do I believe in what you're doing? Like that makes me want to join the thing because it might last 15, 20 years before it ever goes off Broadway or something like that. Um, So that's mostly what I've been doing in that sector. I really do want to do TV film, but I have learned that like musical theater is my first love and music is my first love. Mm -hmm. Um, I started writing music. I've started writing a musical. So like I've started to just dabble in new things and try to find like what I enjoy and like what fills me up yep. um, because that makes my work better at the end of the day instead of being so bogged down with um, the responsibilities of being an adult. And like, don't get me wrong. Those are also super important. Those are impending yeah. all yeah. the time. But luckily you still but have mom there scheduling stuff for you, right? You still have listen, mom. Come on. She's always there. She just texts me <laughs> earlier today about the fact that I have a voice lesson yeah, she, tomorrow she scheduled at this noon. interview with us. No, that's she, not true. You know that's not true. I, that's not true. <laughs> she's on it. I love it. Um, well, and part of the reason yeah. I asked that though, in terms of paths is like, I think yeah. that's already true with all the different paths. Even if you only are in musical theater, I mean, you're doing new musicals. Are you doing mostly pop? You're doing, you know, classical musicals, revivals and stuff, you know, it, there's so many already just within the musical theater genre. But then if you add in concerts and then you add in TV and film and straight plays, and I guess I wonder, is opera still somewhere in there or, or something in the opera world? Or is that really more, hey, I use that training for musical theater versus like, would you consider, hey, I'm, I'm looking toward this, keeping this option open as well? I think for, for an opera, for me to do it, I have to like the team. And again, in the same way, looking at musicals, I have to believe in the piece. Mm-hmm. I think that was some of the hardest stuff for me with opera is that if I just don't believe in, in what you're doing, I'm not going to enjoy. It's just about the pyrotechnics of my, of my vocals. Right. Um, so that like, I, I don't want to say I'd never do an opera. I just know that like, I'm a lot, I'm very picky uh-huh. about what I would uh, uh, want to do because again it's like it really is about like do I find joy in it right. I, I've i told a lot of people like these past few years I have turned down contracts that people look at me like I am a crazy person to mm-hmm. turn down and it has all been about like protecting my peace and protecting my sanity because at the end of the day when the contract's over it's just me yep. by myself yep. having a hangout with me mm-hmm. and like I have to be happy and yep. so like I and opera especially pays really really well and so it's like but I don't want to walk away from that contract and be just like emotionally and mentally and spiritually just like drained what you're telling us is hinting the next project is not an opera is what you're telling me it's not in French and it's not an opera that's what we know so far we're gathering hints you can't tease us Shireen we're gonna want to know come on listen 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 um the first hint was wrong yes wrong the second hint is oh half true whoa see that's what i'm asking about the half true in the opera world is interesting again i'm not gonna push i'm not gonna push but yes um you'll know once we stop recording i'll tell correct, you correct and then i'll <laughs> tell everyone else i'll just put it in exactly the takeaway of this episode um 
let's play our unique game, shall we? Yeah. We've reached game time. I already did, with the wonderful Ilda Mason, I did a West Side Story versus Romeo and Juliet kind of game. So I was forced to get a little creative. This game is called Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Tonight. I'm going to give you some facts about two Broadway credits, Lion King and West Side Story. You're going to tell me, is this true of The Lion King? Is it true of West Side Story? Is it true of neither, meaning I made it up, or is it true of both? Yeah. Those are all the options. Okay. Make sense? I'm going to read you a fact. Yes. You're going to try to label it. True of Lion King, West Side Story, neither, or both. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Starts off easy. It'll get a little harder. First fact, the highest grossing Broadway musical of all time. Oh, The Lion King. The Lion King. You looked at me like that was hard, but you knew it immediately. I don't know. What, you're like, oh, how, what are you asking me about grosses? I'm like, this one's not that hard. Okay. Has had two critically acclaimed film adaptations. West Side Story. West Side Story. The Lion King has had like six different West Side things. I know. Has a new film adaptation coming directed by Moonlight's Barry Jenkins? None of them. No, that's Lion King. There's going to be a new Lion King called like Mufasa's Revenge or something. Yes, that is. Wait. Wait. Okay. All right. You're doing great. So you're doing great. Was loosely based on a Shakespearean classic? Both. Both. Very good. Very good. Was the first musical to be performed in space? Neither. neither. That's a neither. Okay. <laughs> Features nearly 3,000 puppets per performance. Lion King. No, that's neither. Lion King is like 200 puppets. 3,000 would be a lot of puppets. 3,000? Right, it feels right, though. How many right. actors would you need for 3,000 puppets? <laughs> You never know. I know. I knew I'd get you on that one. I felt mean. I was like, this is going to win for sure. Okay. Is the longest running show at the Minskoff Theater? The Lion King. The Lion King, 100%. The only known Broadway production to have been stopped by a childbirth, by someone giving birth to a child. Oh, this I don't know. Um... I'm going to go with West Side Story. Yeah, it's a neither. I made that one up. Yeah, I made that one up. Oh, okay. Was the first musical I personally saw on Broadway? Oh, <laughs> yes. I'm supposed to know that. Come on. It's easy. Well, well. Hmm. West Side Story. No, nah, it's The Lion King. I might have seen you. Aww. I really might have. I, I don't, I didn't do the math of the ages, but I might have definitely saw Ray, but I don't know if I saw you. <laughs> um, was originally going to be called East Side Story. West Side Story. Yes, apparently about religion, Catholics, and Jews before yes. the kids. Yeah, okay. Features made up nonsense language on purpose. Features made up West nonsense language. West Side Story. Language. West Side Story, good. I thought maybe oh, yeah. Hakuna Matata, but no, that's real. It's got real meaning no. to it. No, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Features the highest individually priced ticket in Broadway history. The Lion King. No, I made this up. It's probably Hamilton I would be my guess. I just made it up. You, oh, you, yeah, it would. But yeah. the Lion King is expensive. Very expensive. I know. We talk about money <laughs> in these games more than I wish I did. But it's easy to find facts <laughs> about money. That's why when I look up facts, I can find them about money. Shireen, you did wonderfully at the game. That was fantastic. Let us know if you did better at the game than Shireen as you played along. And if so, try to guess what you think her next project is. Um, I have a couple questions just to wrap up a little bit. You mentioned social media already. In terms of your YouTube presence, booked you a job, and then people are Instagramming, messaging you. What is your relationship with social media in terms of how you try to present yourself? Are you thinking of it like this is me, my branding? Are you thinking of like, I'm putting my authentic real life on on Instagram? What are you thinking about in terms of your own social media as it relates to your career? Yeah. 
Um, my social media is a mixture of both. I really wanted my TikTok to be something personal, but then I started posting about into the woods. So then it kind of changed. And mm-hmm. I think it's ever evolving for me. I'm not a big fan of social media by any means, but I do have it. I use it. Um, it has a mix of like my real life and like my professional life. I do. Lately, I've been doing photo dumps that have gotten a little risque, uh-huh. but um, I do try to stick to the like, if my grandmother would be absolutely appalled by what I'm posting, maybe I shouldn't. Uh-huh. Um, just because then, you know, I can keep that inside my house. Um, but yeah, I, I, but now when you say risque, is that because you, you want to kind of be personal? That's, I, I like the idea of personally doing that from, for the career, or do you Mm -hmm. feel like, Hey, this actually is good for my future career prospects that people see me as this sexy person, if that's what you mean by risque. Um, I, I more think of it as just like, I like my digital footprint to be as clean as I can keep it just for myself, just for Mm -hmm. my own sanity. Um, we all have seen the different things of like, so-and-so tweeted this 10 years ago Uh or like something like that. And so it's like, I just try to stick as far away from anything like that. Um, You think of it like a tattoo. Like how will I feel about this when I look back? Yeah. In time. Yeah. Exactly. Even though I have two tattoos, you know, but (laughs) But you probably picked them consciously. You feel like I'll feel good about this 20 years from now. Yeah. I did. I did. But yeah, I was thinking about this before actually getting on here because I know a lot of people talk about social media and like theater and people always ask like, do I need to have social media? My rule of thumb is you don't need to have anything. I have friends who have zero social media who have been on Broadway. Like there's, you just have to know that it's going to be a little harder. Right. You know, Um, I think that's, that's kind of the thing for people to know. It's like, People do reach out to you on social media. They do look you up. And if they can't find you, it is a little harder for them to like move forward. I love to talk in general about like <clears throat> in this post-pandemic world and and everything the post the, the pandemic meant in terms of you know certainly we we Broadway had a racial reckoning we all we had a health and safety reckoning and you know our our, sh- our eight shows a week sustainable and all these different questions of stuff that came out uh, um, of the pandemic. Where do you feel like the industry is going as you're doing your new secret projects and you're auditioning for stuff? Have you felt a shift since when you joined uh, the industry? You know, at nine years old and then through college and then um, now, do you feel like the industry is shifting and if so how do you feel like it's shifting i do think it's shifting um for one i think that we're shifting uh to more revivals as of late i think that there's going to be a lot more within the next five years of just like going through the canon and and bringing back stuff and reworking it to Mm -hmm. modernize it we've been doing that a lot more lately and i think that we're going to continue to do that there is i think a shift that's happening in our industry that I'm worried about um, as a singer. Uh-huh. I feel that we are looking more with musicals at the acting of it all and not the singing of it all, or at least the like middle of the two. And I think acting acting's wonderful and is definitely necessary. It's not like you can park and bark and not act through a song. That's also not something that we, we I don't want to see that either. But I feel like we are getting to a place where it's like, well, so-and-so can act the role. They can't really sing the role. And mm-hmm. I go, okay, well, this is a musical. It's not a play. Mm-hmm. If I went to go see a play, that's wonderful. But I'm going to see a musical, so I do want to see them sing and act it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and there are so many people in this industry that it is a little disappointing that it's like, I know you could find someone who can sing and act it. You're choosing not to. And that's a little, that's just upsetting as a performer myself and as well as a theater goer, because mm-hmm. I've been raised on theater that sometimes I go, well, 10 years ago, that was not going right. to fly. If you were on Broadway, you, your voice was at a certain level, you feel like. Yeah. yeah. And so that's that's a little bit of where I've seen the industry going. And I really hope we start to veer back mm-hmm. um, to a place that's like. You can also sing the role exciting or it's like if somebody can't sing it in that key, then change the key. Uh-huh. That's totally fine. I'm not telling you to keep it where it is. Yep. I'm just saying, sing it. Yep. I want you to sing it down. Uh-huh. So interesting. So, and yeah. it, it, really interesting to see that. Uh, I hadn't really thought of the revivals thing, but I guess that is really like, uh, um, we just saw Camelot and previews and, you know, some of the things where we go like, that's a to- like, yeah. And, and 1776 and some of these things where we're kind of updating this, like, this is a little bit old and can, is there a different version of this that still works? Um, it's yeah. an interesting way. Cause, cause I think we often complain about there's not enough new musicals, you know, when, when a shucked comes out, we're like, oh my God, it's at least a new musical. It's new content. You know? And also go see shucked. Go see shucked. Come shucked. on. If you haven't seen it, like it's incredible. We're going to let it's John so Bellman's funny. coming on the podcast. We're going to let John shell about chucked, but yes. shell about chucked. But yes. Uh, Amazing. Uh, great. And, 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 but in some ways, maybe also these updates of old musicals into new is a different way to also get kind of new content. That's really interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. My last yeah. question for you is just, if you have any advice, other than have a mother just like you, um, if you have any advice to a young artist who wants to be a Shireen, you know, a lot of our listeners are only a couple years younger than you. Some of them are your age, right? But they want to be a little bit more like a Shireen and have your career. What advice would you give to that young person in terms of how to achieve that? My biggest piece of advice that I've actually just recently started telling people is don't worry so much about your book. I think so many people, I have met so many people that they get out of college and they're like, my book, it's not finished. And then I see them the next year and they're like, my book, it's not finished. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, do you have about like three to four songs that can like mostly get you through the audition season? Mm -hmm. Then it's finished for the year. You'll be fine. But I think that often we get into these shows and we get a month of rehearsal or a few weeks of rehearsal. And then we're thrown into these roles that we absolutely love, but we're not prepared to do stamina wise. And we're not prepared because we haven't worked them in vocally. Again, it's one of the things that I actually did take away from the opera program. Some of those people will pick up a score, learn an entire role at 20 and pick it back up at 25 Mm -hmm. and won't actually sing it until they're 30. Mm -hmm. And so if you, if your dream role is to play Maria, learn it, like learn it. No one's stopping you from learning the score Mm -hmm. and then put it down and next year, pick it up and do it again. And like spend time in the rehearsal room going through scores of, of music. Cause again, in the same vein of like, I think we're commonly going to musicals and going, oh, well, so-and-so can't sing it. Sometimes it's just that they needed a gestation period of three years uh-huh. with the piece. And so it's like, if you love Alphaba and that's like, Alphaba is incredibly hard, mm-hmm. but like start now, start with the first act for a year and like really learn those songs, ingrain them in your body. And it's not going to be perfect that first year. Don't, don't do it until you hurt yourself. Like do it, put it down 
and pick it back up. And you're going to have learned so many new things. It's going to like have just stated in your body to a point by the time you get the audition, one, the cuts, you'll know the cuts like the back of your hand because you'll know all the songs. And two, you will not feel so afraid to walk on the stage when you are doing your first performance. Mm -hmm. Because it won't be, you wouldn't have learned it in real time when you're learning the blocking and the staging and the costumes and the this and the that. You learned it in the comfort of your own home years ago. It's one of the wonderful things I had for Westside. Mm -hmm. I learned Westside when I was like 16. Uh And then I had just done it and done it because people had asked me to sing this song and that song and that. By the time I was doing the show every night, it was like, I know these. Mm-hmm. There's, I'm not worried to mm-hmm. go up and sing these songs. And you I feel like- You remember the lines, we, but you remember the songs. The songs, you know, exactly. the words were tricky. Exactly. But, you know, <laughs> tricky. But like, I, I just, I feel like we don't teach people that enough anymore. We really hone in on like, get your pop song, your pop song. And it's like, yes, get your one pop song. It's going to work for all the pop song auditions probably, more than likely. And when you get to a certain point in your career, you'll just be singing the things from the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like that's it's uh, something Talia talked about. Talia, who just got, got off of Alphaba, she was doing it yeah. right before the pandemic and then came back to it and was saying how much she was improved by the time off and then coming back to it that it was just physically her body was in better shape and she was able to handle that, but vocally too that you know sort of the improvement of of time with something. Which yeah, I don't think we yeah. talk about that a lot of like. What it no. is to, with a specific role to spend some time and, and let it just say. That's really, it's good advice. Yep. It's just, it's such a, it was something that I was so shocked by with people in opera. They uh-huh. will just collect scores. Uh-huh. And I'll be like, oh, so have you sung that role? No. But that is but that? in my voice type and something yeah. I'm going to do. And they just collect them and they highlight through them. And that's their score. And so in 10 years when they actually perform it, they have done all all the work already and now they're just having a good time it's so interesting it makes me think a little bit of um with acting of style as well of like if you've performed in different styles like i was reading a a script with elizabeth the other night of a a new audition she was going to do and i was like oh this is rosencrantz and gilderson are dead it wasn't that play but i was like but it is like i was like but you just have to kind of know like this it's a kind of unique style it's odd and quirky and but like when you read it on the page it's not obvious if you haven't put that in your body and, and done it. But now you're like, I got that in my back pocket. I can walk out and do that. I, I know what this play is going to be like. Um, yeah. Exactly. Really cool. All right. Yeah. If people want to follow you on your social media, they didn't get enough Shireen in this episode. They want more. Where would you send people? Are we going to Instagram? We're going to TikTok. We're going to YouTube. Where's the place to check out more Shireen? You can find me on Instagram and TikTok. Just Shireen Pimentel. Real yeah. easy. Yeah. Um, and if you really want to see me sing, just look up Shereen Pimentel on YouTube. I don't have a YouTube, but a lot of people have posted a lot of, a lot people of different posted videos. Like, yeah, there. That's how John Mulaney is going to find you. We'll find other famous comedians <laughs> are going to find you on the YouTube as well. Exactly. Um, we have a lot of famous comedian listeners to this pod specifically. Oh, yeah. um, Shereen, thank you so much for the time today. This was such a joy. Of course. Don't cry for me. I hope you enjoy that episode with Shereen. Uh, she is such a sterling example of an MTCA alum. So hardworking and joyous in the way she navigates the world. 
And if you couldn't tell from my little intro there, Evita. Evita was the answer at ART slash Shakespeare Theatre Company. That is now public information that's been released on her social media after this episode was recorded. Um, I'm going to give a brief little shout out to her advice. I love that at the end about just work on stuff that interests you. Just learn the role. You know, don't don't wait for permission. Just go ahead and do it if it's something that you want to do. Um, I think it's really fun advice and, and really actionable. So go do that. I love that. Um, but for our takeaway today, it's almost Mother's Day. So I want to give some love to the parents out there. I know we have a lot of MTCA parents. I'm going to say an embarrassing amount of MTCA parents who listen to the episodes for their children, or at the very least, we'll say kindly, alongside their children. Um, And Shireen's mom ends up being the star of this episode, I hope you found. Um, You know, the, the way Shireen was like... My mother drove me every single day in describing her Broadway schedule. It's beautiful. Um, but also, it's just worth saying that could be true and is true for so many parents out there who drive to daily dance classes, voice lessons, etc. It takes just as much effort as a Broadway schedule. It just means you don't potentially get the same remuneration of a Broadway contract. But can we talk about the idea of a stage parent? Um, maybe especially the archetype of like a stage mom or sometimes called a momager or a helicopter parent. Um, though, of course, we know there are plenty of dads out there and dadagers and all those things. Um, I honestly think involved parents get a bad rap in 2023. Of course, we know the extremes, parents who are over-involved and maybe intercept themselves in their child's process, whether that's the professional process or, or college. And of course, that can be unhelpful, both in the direct ways that it can turn people off on the other side of the table, as well as potentially being unhelpful in stymieing their children in the ability to own their own processes fully, whether that's, again, professional, or I'll talk a lot about the college process now. That said, the vast, vast majority of MTCA parents I find to be involved and very appropriately so. For each family, that can mean really different things. Sometimes it's just as simple as financial support and a listening ear if the child needs help, but you're going, nope, you got it. You got a kid. You're doing great. You schedule. You do whatever. I'm here for with a credit card, and I'm going to set a budget of what your limits are, and this is what's going on, and let me know if you need anything. And sometimes it does involve being way more directly involved in the planning, organizing, helping with schedules, helping with school list research, listening to podcasts for the sake of your kids, um, all that kind of stuff. Sometimes it gets as granular as I got to make sure from 5.30 to 5.40, you've got time for a power bar, whatever works for your family. But I'll say what may be obvious, but I think is not said enough in credit to these parents, that it is an enormous advantage to children who have involved and supportive parents. In the same way that you could never be an Olympic gymnast without parents who support you and take you to training at a three years old or whatever age you have to start then, most people cannot be on Broadway as a child without a parent who is directly involved in facilitating that happening. And while at the college and professional level, you do see students who succeed without direct involvement, you know, as long as the parents are okay with them doing it, sometimes people do it really on their own. For many, and I'd say for most students, it does continue to be a significant advantage to have that help. Shereen talks about how still as a young adult, you know, she's in her mid-20s, or in her not-quite-mid-20s, she likes to say, um, but she still uses her mom all the time for help. She was like, I just got off the phone with her this morning talking about career stuff. And I think parents overestimate 
how important the idea of being professionally connected to the business is, right? Or, or maybe even understanding theater. Uh, I, I hear that all the time. They'll say like, oh, I don't know anything about this, so I can't really be helpful to my child. And well, of course, if your parents are truly like industry luminaries, it would be a big help. I'm not denying that. You know what the, the big word of the day is a Nepo baby. You know, if you have a chance to have a famous director as a parent who can, you can be a Nepo baby, great, right? But short of that level, uninvolved and caring parent is hugely helpful regardless of how much knowledge they have of the industry. In fact, I think where not being super connected to the industry can help, in my opinion, is that the biggest danger of an over-involved parent, at least as we see it, sort of interrupting the process, is when they get too involved artistically. That's not to say there need to be zero parental involvement in artistic choices, but I think in general, the less the better in this realm. When parents are becoming coaches or worse, I think critics of their children, it can really mess with the psychological elements of this process. You know, a, a simple comment like, oh, but I think you sound beautiful on that other song can get in their head. And regardless of whether they take your advice or not, now that's what they're thinking about. And unlike parts of this process, like scheduling or figuring out food, this part the artist really has to own for themselves. The choices that are brought into the room have to be justified for the artist and by the artist. And that's where employing professionals who know what they're doing is extremely helpful. Even when you're right about the feedback you might want to give your child, which let's be honest, parents often are, it's often delivered more helpfully by an outside source, both in terms of maybe the expertness of the delivery method, but quite often just simply by the messenger not being you. This is why we've actually worked with a number of children of currently successful Broadway and TV actors in this process because those parents smartly recognize they want to stay support structure. They want to stay a parent and not be an artistic tinkerer, which where it could kind of tip into that being over-involved and potentially causing issues. I mean, God forbid if your child were to blame you. I can't believe I made this artistic choice and it's your fault, mom, right? But for most of you that are not artistic experts that don't feel like, oh, I know everything about singing or acting or dancing, this would really come as a true relief, right? You're not missing out on anything from an expertise perspective, especially if you're able to get your child expert help as they grow with a place like MTCA and knowing that they'll continue to get expertise at the college level. What most kids need from their parents is support and belief in them, both in the idea of their artistic success in the business and the idea that they will figure it out if it doesn't work out for whatever reason as an actor, as a performer. And this is where you can always use your life knowledge, like Shireen's mom does, to set some rules and boundaries like, hey, you're going to get that degree. This, this is what's important to your parents, right? And knowing how valuable that degree might be later them in life and if their path veers, but while still supporting their choice to resolutely walk this path. I will say personally, that's one of the big reasons I am often a big fan of students going to college, even if to be successful in the industry, do you necessarily need a four-year degree? No, but I think the value of that degree beyond knowing that not every student who goes to school for BFA musical theater, BFA acting is going to end up being an actor, a musical theater person, or even necessarily staying in the business 25 years later. Just thinking about some parents that we worked with this year, I'm thinking of a mom I've spoken with who listens to every podcast, shout out, and who trained artistically herself, but never pursued this business who was an incredible backstop to her child, right? She understood enough of what it was to go through this process artistically that she was really able to be an empathetic support, as well as, of course, providing financial support that so many of our parents do, without becoming overly involved in the granular artistic parts of things, right? She really knew, okay, here's, here's about the place where I can go up to, and here's where I'm really going to leave it for you. 
Or shout out to the dads out there. I'm thinking of a dad from this year whose child absolutely crushed this process, getting into multiple of the biggest name programs, like literally the biggest name programs you could talk about. And I saw that dad at every single MTCA event. And I will say, did he look like he knew what he was doing? No, he was always looking a bit like bemused. He was always kind of good-naturedly overwhelmed all this, but kind of resolvedly plugging forward with it all. You could tell his attitude was, hey, if this is hard for me and I'm smart and I'm a competent business person, I don't know anything about theater, how impossible it must be for my child to figure this all out on their own. And both of those children were very talented. They were hardworking. They were all the things you'd want in a student. And I think they would have done really well if they did this process alone and without their support. I absolutely think that. However, there is no question in my mind that their parents were a significant boost to them, that they formed a team. Uh-oh, I can feel a sports metaphor coming on. They formed a team, and that team succeeded better than they could have done alone. So I do think those students could have been successful, but what their parents gave them you know, gave them a 20% boost, a 25% boost. I don't know how you want to put the math on it, but but significantly aided them in their process as well. All right, the sports metaphors are threatening, so we'll wrap the episode there. This episode was produced by Megan Cordier, who follows us at Mapping the College Edition on Instagram, who appreciates your rating and reviews where you listen, and who also invites you to check us out at mtcollegeauditions.com to reach out for your individual college prep. To my young artists out there mapping their journeys, do you think you can tell by people's normal speaking voice that they aren't good at other languages? We'll see you next week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.